I'm your host, Kaylee, and this is Rebel Wellness. You've just tuned in to Rebel Wellness, the podcast that's here to revolutionize your approach to personal health and well-being. I'm your host, Kaylee, also known as Coach Kales, and I'm thrilled to have you join our Rebel community. In a world that's saturated with fleeting diet trends and unrealistic beauty standards, we believe it's time for serious change. Our mission is simple yet profound, to empower women like you to break free from the confines of today's diet culture and embrace a holistic approach to health that's sustainable for the long haul. If you're like me, you're here to embrace the concept that true well-being encompasses every facet of your life, mind, body, and soul. Rebels believe in aligning our journey with our individual needs and values because a one-size-fits-all approach just simply doesn't cut it anymore. This podcast is your safe space to explore the depths of wellness guided by myself, experts, real-life stories, and genuine commitment to your growth. You're here to begin your transformative journey, and it's time to discover your own version of balance in your health. Every week when you tune into Rebel Wellness, we'll learn, grow, and rebel against the polarizing outdated norms to finally achieve lasting vitality and joy. Because that sounds pretty great, right? Your journey starts now, and I am so excited that you're here. Welcome back, lovely, to another episode of Rebel Wellness. I am super excited to share this episode with you today because it is filled with a lot of kind of unconventional health swaps that I've implemented myself. And I get a lot of questions from clients and some of my listeners about what kind of health guru things are worth actually following or implementing into my lifestyle to actually try to live my healthiest, best life when there's like literally a million things. And a lot of them are kind of not founded in any actual evidence or science. Um, And there's a lot to be said about like, who's actually going to spend the money on some of the science. But with that said, over the years that I've been in this industry, which is like 15 years now, I nerd out on the science. I love the science. I love learning from other extremely intelligent people who have both scientific study-based and evidence like boots on the ground-based approaches to health. And so what I wanted to do today was something unique where I wanted to tell you guys some of the top things that I have implemented at least this year of 2023, and I plan to do this every year following, of some of the main things that I think are really important for you to consider implementing into your own life so that hopefully it can help you continue towards a healthier longer, happier existence, because that's ultimately the goal, right? At least in my life, that's the goal in a lot of my clientele, friends, family, listeners, you know. And with that said, I do want to say a warm hello. If this is your first time listening to my podcast, I am so glad you're here. I hope you kind of poke around and explore all of the plethora of health focused (laughs) podcasts that I've had, as well as kind of like self Uh, self-help, I guess I would say some of that is in there too. And some of those are my best episodes that have gotten the best feedback. So definitely poke around and explore that. If you're somebody who has been listening for a little while now, and you haven't gone back into the archives of earlier this year, I definitely want to invite you to go check it out. And the top series is still my macro series, episodes 19 through 22, 23. (laughs) Um, And they have been really helpful to a lot of people for teaching 
you have to better understand the food that you eat. And the great news, the exciting news is I am going to be launching a really awesome course that combines all of that teaching and practical implementation tips that I have gathered from literally coaching people for a decade now. And I have put all of that together in an amazing package for you. And I am so excited to launch that course and get it out to you so that you can improve your relationship with food and gain a great sense of food flexibility in general. So stay tuned, sign up for the newsletter if you haven't already, if you want to know exactly when that launches and or join our community. If you would like to join the newsletter, you can check out coachkales.com or stan.store backslash kales and join the newsletter from there. Or you can come join our community on Instagram at Rebel Wellness Podcast or at Coach by Kales and come say hello if you do. And I would love to see you join the community regardless of if you are interested in that course because it's filled with a lot of really helpful wellness tips and uh, real life things because I am a no BS person and I know that is my kind of shtick. So anyways, I just wanted to give you a little hello. And if you are a uh, repeat offender (laughs) showing up to the podcast, hello, you're awesome. So without further ado, let's jump into today's topic. What health guru things are worth actually implementing? So like I said before, This episode is going to be filled with some of the top lifestyle kind of swaps and changes I've implemented into my own day-to-day routine in hopes to benefit my future self. I love the concept of thinking of how you take care of yourself now impacts your future self. And that's like basically the basis of preventative healthcare, which is the industry that I'm in. I am trying to help humans get healthier now and not have to pay for it later (laughs) or pay less later. You know what I mean? So there's been a lot of science and even through deep dive researching in topics before I podcast about them because I always like to fact check myself. And uh, there's definitely times where maybe I've taught my clients something in the past one way and then learned it differently another way. Uh, Similar to like the collagen episode. That is one of the top performing episodes here on my Rebel Wellness podcast. And it is really a good listen because there's a lot of health guru people on TikTok, Instagram, yada, yada who don't fully understand the concept the same way I didn't, because I didn't understand the complexity about a collagen peptide versus a complete protein amino acid. And those things matter. If those sound like foreign language to you, definitely go check out the collagen episode uh, because it'll definitely help you, especially like for those of us who like to help spreading the health to our friends and family. Um, there's so many different things in here that I would love to be like, go check out this episode for this. And blah, blah, blah. But with that said, I've combined some of the stuff I've learned and taught, especially as new modern science comes out, because it's honestly overwhelming how many times they'll be like, oh, this is super safe. 20 years go down the road. And then they're like, oh my gosh, sorry not safe anymore. It's a carcinogen. It's causing cancer. People are dying from this, you know, that whole kind of uh, gambit. And so similar to like the episode on PFAs, again, Forever Chemicals, if you didn't listen to that episode, that was recent. And I would, the October series, go check it out. But I changed a lot in my own lifestyle, especially after 
doing my due diligence and researching that topic for you guys. So even I am still learning and I really want to make sure you know that like I'm in the trenches with you. Like we're figuring this out together because there's so many things, especially in a big capitalist society that we are, especially here in the US, because that's where I'm based. We are just inundated with buy this, buy that, use this, use that, you know. And the more I mature in my understanding about wellness, the more I learn that it's different than we've been spoon fed and what magazine covers have told us or what paid for dietitians and doctors online have told us. And it's really tough to navigate those waters on your own and think for yourself. It's so much easier just to pay somebody to tell you what to do. I mean, obviously you're listening to a podcast, like trying to get some direction. And so I really want you to understand that I come to you as a integrity-based health resource for you. I like to only educate as well-rounded as possible because I don't want to be polarized like the rest of the world. Polarization sells. That's why a lot of people are polarized on their topics and opinions, even if they ultimately don't really feel that way. It really sucks because in the end of the day, a lot of people just need to make a buck. And so there's recent, the New York Times, I think actually shared an article where they exposed people who were dietitians exposing that, yes, different parts of sugar corp and grain corp and all of these big food corps paid them to downplay the risks for children of certain food products. That's a real thing. You can Google search it. And uh, it's a mess that they're trying to clean up a little bit because basically the dietitians were like, hey, I know I'm a, I'm a business. I just need to make some money. Like times are rough right now. But at the same time for me, I can never do that. I can't tell you guys how many times I get emails for affiliation requests and different sponsorships and things like that, that I just simply don't even respond to because they do not align with me. I am not going to push Hawaiian shave ice on you guys because they want to pay me $500 to make posts supporting Hawaiian shave ice. And that's an actual person who keeps contacting me. (laughs) It's really weird. I would share all the brands, but I'm not going to just put them on blast because they're their own businesses as well. But I wanted to use that as an example to show you guys that I am very integrity-based. I will not support and push things to my listeners, to my clientele, or any of that that are not in line with my health stances and beliefs. And uh, so just thought that you should know that, especially if you are new to listening to the podcast or new to knowing me in general, even if you've listened to several other episodes and such, or if you're somebody who's known me for a long time. You already know that I am no BS, (laughs) but I want to start to get into the top things that I have implemented in my own life in 2023 that have supported my health. And I know that will support my health. When you choose something to implement into your life, we're not always looking for a um, tangible result immediately. So I know that a lot of the times we are always hyper-focused on immediate results. I mean, I've worked majority of the clients I've worked with all want a fat loss result and a lot of them achieve it. A lot of them derail themselves by constantly chasing something and kind of sabotaging themselves. And then a lot of them have more complex situations that like fat loss isn't exactly the right goal for the moment. It's going to be a good goal for maybe the future, but there's a lot of healing or other work that needs to be done before getting there. So anyways, it's something where the main point is It takes time to see the results that you want from something 
And sometimes you'll never actually really see it until you hit age 60 and you've never had to go to the hospital for a certain disease or something. So when we're thinking about whether or not we should do the hard work or just the annoying work of implementing a health swap for something that you've always done or something that your family raised you on and that you've continued to do, and it just kind of makes you uncertain whether or not it's worth it because you don't get immediate results after, I would really encourage you to consider thinking about it as there isn't anything harming me by making this change for my health in mind. So I might as well try it and do the best I can to stick to it versus continue what I'm doing right now that already is potentially known to have issues or I'm already experiencing potential issues or I actually don't know if I'm experiencing issues so I might as well cut it out or change it and see if things do actually improve that are physical or tangible things that I can actually experience and be like, oh my gosh, I have less brain fog. I have less ADD because ADD symptoms are directly correlated to a lot of different habits that I'm about to talk to you about. So stay tuned through this whole episode. If you want to hear some of the most interesting things that you may have never thought about or realized, and I would really invite you to be mindful about it in your own life and observe whether or not you have also experienced it just like me, or once you've implemented these things into your life like me, if they have benefited you. All right, so let's get into the first health habit slash swap that I have done into my life. And that is going to be returning to stainless steel and cast iron pans for cooking when I cook on the stove and even baking and such, um, and getting rid of my nonstick pans and baking items. So this is very complicated. I didn't get rid of all of my baking items that are nonstick, but I am transitioning them out because there's a lot of options to move away from the nonstick coating. But as a lot of you may have learned, if you listen to the PFAs episode, AKA Forever Chemicals, unfortunately, nonstick coating is a big coating of Forever Chemicals, AKA chemicals that negatively impact your body and multiple systems of your body by simply consuming them and they're forever. They never leave your body. They hang out forever and they wreak havoc. Unfortunately, it's been well known that coating, like nonstick coating on pans, messes with the body, so to speak, because Teflon pans, Teflon coatings, um, historically has had PFAs involved in the coating. And of course, if you use any sort of utensil that scrapes it, makes any type of cracks in it, and simply just actually cooking on it, it gets into your food. You know, it's, it's really hard to avoid that. And um, some of Teflon has said that they've removed the PFOA, but there's a lot to be said about the other chemicals because unfortunately what usually happens is people will blow up a really toxic compound, like think BPA. There's a lot of different BP chemicals. There's BPC, I think there's BPE, and they're all not great for us. <laughs> they're all kind of equally bad, but once one gets in the spotlight, they're like, okay, we'll just make sure that we take that out. Uh, think carrageenan. Carrageenan is a byproduct from seaweed, and uh, it has also carcinogenic issues that can it can cause for people if consumed in high amounts. And so you'll see a lot of nut milks and stuff um, say carrageenan-free. And I believe carrageenan is usually used as a binder that is like lower cost for bigger companies. So a lot of things now will say carrageenan-free because it got in the public eye and people don't want to buy it anymore. Same for BPA and all that kind of stuff. So PFAs 
are there's a large laundry list of them and unfortunately if anything is water resistant or oil resistant or heat resistant it usually has a pfa compound in it so for myself and my small family unit at the moment <laughs> and future if it grows i decided to reduce massively our exposure to pfas including but not so limited to <laughs> our nonstick cooking items so that looked like my favorite nonstick IKEA pans <laughs> and uh, several other baking items as well. Um, fortunately, I've never used an air fryer that has nonstick coating. It's I have used a um, stainless steel one. It has like just is it aluminum? I'm not sure, but it doesn't have the nonstick coating. If you have an air fryer that uses nonstick coating, I would get rid of it give it away to somebody, I don't know, and look for one that doesn't have nonstick coating on it and utilize unbleached liners if you are looking to avoid having to like scrub the basket out and such. Those are, that would be my best tips because we also know that the air fryer situation is complicated because it's circulating the chemicals that come off of the nonstick coating in there. And actually that was something that I think blew up earlier this year. Some people were exposing the risks of the PFAs involved in nonstick air fryers. So anything that you cook a lot of your food in that has significant heat and water and such, we don't want the chemicals to be leached into your food or scraped into your food by accidentally, you know, damaging the, the coating. So anyways, all I have to say, I got rid of my pans and I re returned to my good quality stainless steel um, and cast iron pans. Cast iron pans are amazing, especially once you get used to how to take care of them. They might be a little overwhelming and annoying at first, but once you get them seasoned well and such, they do also contribute natural iron to your food, not in a way that becomes poisonous, especially if you're not like hacking at your pan and getting the metal all <laughs> messed up. As long as you're taking care of it properly, which there's a million useful videos on YouTube, just take the time to learn it, figure it out, and you'll end up in a way better place as far as something as close as possible to nonstick that's more natural. Stainless steel, I know a lot of people like in the cooking industry swear by Allclad and companies like that, but I even myself just use a company called Misen, M-I-S-E-N, and they make high quality chef grade pans that are not a million dollars. So that would be a company I'd recommend. I'm not affiliated with them. I'm just telling you legit like what I use. So that is the first thing that I have swapped out of my life in my household because I really don't want to unnecessarily expose myself to PFAs, especially in the form of getting it smack into my food. Like, not what's up. So the next health swap that I've implemented more intentionally this year than previous years is I have stopped drinking or eating anything that has significant artificial colors. So there is so much science behind food dyes and the laundry list of issues that it has caused for humans. Again, Big Food Corp kind of fights it because humans like color. Children like color. Children will cry and be mad and be like, buy me this thing because there's a Disney character on it or there's a lot of colors in it and it's interesting for me to look at and it looks more fun. And so it sells a lot of products, unfortunately. And uh, food dye is just... It's a super unnatural thing, especially when it's not like taken out of carrots or hibiscus 
tea leaves or something like that. Most food dyes will be listed on food labels. You'll always see them towards the end of the label because obviously it's just a small component to it, but it's significant enough that we already have science such as ADD, behavioral problems in children because of the connection to food dyes, and a lot of other risks, including carcinogenic properties, hypersensitivity reactions. So a lot of people get like allergic-like reactions or intolerance reactions, so like hives or skin issues, gut health issues, and um, a plethora of behavioral problems that have been noted scientifically. So it's tough because when something gets passed, especially in the like FDA and all of that, they don't really want to get it taken away because it costs the company a lot more. So unless it's very blatantly a big issue for humans and their health, they are kind of just turning a blind eye to it, unfortunately. So the hard part is then you have to make the choice of, are you going to continue to consume things that we know have been studied and experienced issues, <laughs> a mul multitude of issues for humans. And so for me personally, I decided that like, okay, I love Fruity Pebbles, but you, there obviously is a ton of food dye <laughs> involved in all of the little Rice Krispies. So even though it is gluten-free, it is laden with food dyes and things. So I am probably just going to continue to avoid that and have it on very rare occasions. I think I've had Fruity Pebbles like twice this year. Like once in a Rice Krispie and then once as a bowl of cereal. And I feel good about that choice for myself because I know that anything that is super artificial like that and has a noted or recorded history of issues, I'm just going to try to avoid it because I'm not that married to like Gatorade and stuff to care. I mean, I can't even remember the last time I had Gatorade, but Gatorade also has other compounds in it that are problematic. Um, anything that is has like bromide in it or bromine that has uh, recently come out to be another <laughs> chemical that has long-standing impacts, especially on the thyroid. So that's not great, but we're not going to go down that rabbit hole entirely. But all, all to say, a lot of these highly processed and colored food items don't really have a place in my diet. I don't find them to be as beneficial for my life as the risk. So in the risk versus reward thought process, I have just decided to stop eating or drinking anything with artificial colors because it's just not, it's not a necessity to me. So I would also encourage you to consider doing that in your life. Or if you have children, you know, try that out, especially if you've got behavioral challenges with your child, try to reduce those fake food dyes and such and see if it benefits your child because it literally can just be food dye. I believe it was blue and red. I didn't narrow those down, but I know that those two food dyes are well known for having um, impacts on children who are diagnosed with like ADD and such. And to the extent where once the parents remove foods with food dyes in them from their child's day-to-day -day nutrition, those habits improved significantly or subsided altogether, which is pretty profound. So again, nutrition has so much of an impact on us guys. Like we really underestimate what we eat and how it impacts us. And really it's every single food item you eat communicates to your body. And then your body communicates to you whether or not you want to listen. And one of the biggest things I do in my practice is help my clients listen, you know, 
it's screaming at you. Did you think about maybe what you ate yesterday that might have impacted that? You know, did you notice that you've been eating a certain way or drinking something too much, perhaps? And now you're experiencing gut issues or eczema's flaring up, you know. There's so many things that nutrition really impacts and we kind of just think it's just like a state of existence, especially how modern healthcare has disassociated our responsibility over our own health by our lifestyle choices because they don't want you thinking it's this crappy food that is profiting off of you continually consuming it, over consuming it and purchasing it. Oh no, it can't be that food. It's got to be something else in your genetics. Just take this pill and then go down this whole conveyor belt of conventional medicine dilemmas where they're simultaneously making you sick and then helping you sort of deal with the symptoms. Um, and I'm, I'm totally not trying to get into a zone of any sort of like conspiracy theory because it's not conspiracy theory. It's just actually the way our health system is here, especially in the U.S., you don't have to look very hard to see it happening and playing out for people. And it's, it's again, why I'm so passionate about trying to help people get off that conveyor belt and become more self-aware and understand that you have a lot of power over your health and you just have to learn the tools and implement them, become mindful. You know, nothing has to be crazy. You don't have to do any of these crazy health guru, giant life overhauls, you know, that almost always burns people out and then they just kind of go back to their comfort stuff. So I would say just pick a few things. So maybe you pick some of these things I'm talking about today and implement them into your life. I'm honestly not telling you a whole bunch of stuff that's that crazy. So you can maybe pick all of them and try to start here because there's obviously a lot of other stuff that is gonna be important for you to consider implementing into your lifestyle uh, for greater longevity and contentment in your life and some simplicity in your life. But I would definitely say looking at your nutrition and working on that first can be some of the biggest game changers for your life. The next one is not food related. It is honestly something that you may have never even thought about or known about. Or maybe you have, and this is just going to affirm it for you that you might want to do the change that I did. I stopped using Bluetooth connected earbuds. If I am using them, I am either using just one on one side, so it's just communicating to my phone, or I actually repurchased the earbuds that are connected by a wire behind my, by, behind my head. So that each earbud communicates to each other through that wire not through my brain because if you didn't know it the earbuds that are separated in bluetooth the little ones that you can easily lose anywhere <laughs> airpods etc they communicate to each other so that they're playing in real time the same thing they also communicate down to the your phone there's a master earbud usually and then there's the accessory earbud that balances out the sound for both ears the accessory earbud typically communicates to the master earbud and the master earbud communicates to your phone. So if you think about that, it's usually communicating through your brain, essentially, because that's where your ears are, right? This was brought to my attention earlier this year that a lot of scientists, especially over in Europe, are really pushing for a lot more of the who, the who, the who is who they were mostly talking to right now, because obviously the World Health Organization, um, because they want the world to be more aware of electromagnetic frequency, exposure risks and things like that. So there's a ton of conflicting 
science on this topic. Um, honestly, big companies that profit off of like earbuds and such don't really want things like this to get enough um, traction where they'd have to change any of the technology that has has um, progressed to where we're at now because everybody, like almost everybody uses cordless headphones now and we're almost all using AirPods or any type of pods. I use the brand Jabra mostly because I got a discount coupon when I attended CES in Las Vegas <laughs> several years ago. But once I started reading these studies that were linked to this post I had seen from one of the leading neuroscientists that I follow, I was kind of astounded that like it definitely makes sense that, you know, putting frequencies through your brain can impact over time the cells in your brain and put you at risk for cancer because cancer is just a defective cell. It's a cell that has bad DNA and then whether or not it hangs around and proliferates, makes more buddies that are defective, that's where we start to see problems with cancer, right? So unfortunately, it makes a lot of sense logically that these frequencies that are known for impairing cell communication and cell health will have long-term negative side effects. So for me, I decided I don't want to do the earbuds anymore. I want to switch back to the connected headphones. So I am using the connected headphones now and I have been for the last year because I think I got these current ones that I've been using actually last December. I feel better about them. I know there's still a Bluetooth component to it, but at least the buds are not communicating through my brain. They have the wires so they're communicating to each other that way and it reduces a lot of the exposure to it and some of the science that I had found behind it that was is worth repeating to you behind it not just my own personal opinion is that it was about 250 different scientists came together to explore this and present it to the WHO and according to the scientists like appeal the risks associated with electromagnetic fields have increased cancer risk cellular stress genetic damages, structural and functional changes of the reproductive system, learning and memory deficits, neurological disorders, and negative impacts on well-being. All of those things sound horrible, right? <laughs> I'm like, I don't know about you, but I don't want to do any of that. Or I don't want to have a hand in my choices that can impact that. And the one of the doctors, Joel Moskowitz, He's a PhD. He's the director for the Center of Family and Community Health at UC Davis, sorry, UC Berkeley. He said part of the problem is that the government does not really want to regulate this industry. And the tech companies that have basically been giving carte blanche to what to do what they want and the exposure limits are far too high in their opinion scientifically for humans. The industry is in a complete denial and hides behind the governmental health agencies that are either blinded or completely ignorant about the health risks. So I thought that that quote was kind of important to include so that you're not just thinking like, oh, Kale's all just all these little opinions, you know? <laughs> no, actually, <laughs> 250 scientists have presented this to the World Health Organization um, about their risks that they are concerned about for electromagnetic frequencies, particularly in tech that we use every single day included but not limited to earbuds, earpods, and cell phones, because those are the things we're constantly putting on our head. You know what I mean? When we're talking on the phone, holding it close to our face when we're scrolling, <laughs> all the things, all the things. So it's very interesting to think about, but it also kind of makes sense when you really think about it. Um, and 
I personally wanted to reduce my risk as much as possible. Therefore, I do not use earbuds anymore or AirPods or any of that kind of junk. All right, I got three more for you. Three more things that I have swapped. The next one is I have, you're, you guys are all gonna hate me. Y'all are gonna hate me for saying this, but I have stopped using generic candles, AKA all the cool, cute, good smelling little ones from Bath and Body Works. And they do their three for 30 sale or whatever and target candles, anything in that zone. Because unfortunately we know a lot comes from fragrances, artificial fragrances and what these candles burn into our air that we breathe while we're sniffing it and they are endocrine disruptors. So I'm going to tell you in a second about the three major chemicals that are found in the generic candles that are endocrine disruptors. But first, it's important you know what an endocrine disruptor is. Um, I haven't talked about them a huge amount in my past podcasts, but especially for those of you that this might be the first podcast you're listening to from me, endocrine disruptors impair your endocrine system, which is the system in your body of all the glands that create and manage your hormones, including like your thyroid. And that extends past just your sex hormones. We're not just talking testosterone, estrogen, progesterone. We're talking all the hormones that influence literally every system in your body that kind of determine your health and vitality and such. Because when it comes down to it, our, our hormones are what communicate to our body to keep things working properly and help you live a just a better quality of life when they're in a what is a balance for you. Not everything is exactly balanced. That's why when you get blood work done, there's a really wide range where they say like this is normal, but for a little caveat here for a second, when you get blood work done by your doctors and they say everything's in a normal range, if you don't feel good, if you feel like symptoms are off, you might want to find yourself a functional medicine doctor or a naturopathic doctor, because when you say something doesn't feel right, something is off, they usually will be like, okay, let's see what part of that range is going to make you feel better. Because unfortunately, conventional medicine doctors usually just stick to, well, it's in the range that's on this document that somebody put together because they found people that were healthy at the bottom of the range and they found people that were healthy at the top of the range. So therefore, if you land anywhere in there, you're fine. You might not be fine. So I wanted to kind of put that little caveat in there because it's important to understand that when your doctor just says you're in the normal range for everything and you don't feel good or you don't feel your best, then you're probably not actually in the range that is best for you because somebody's estrogen could be higher than yours and they feel great and you could be lower than them and feel great or the opposite, and it's all right for the individual human. So just wanted to put that out there because it's really important to understand that concept, um, especially because we get gaslit constantly. Like my clients are constantly gaslit by their practitioners, especially in the conventional health system. So three chemicals that are in candles that are problematic, especially for your endocrine system, parabens, phthalates, and synthetic fragrances in general. So parabens, if you don't know what that is, You'll see a lot of products, especially in like makeup and such that say paraben free, because we know parabens are a type of preservative that extends shelf life of beauty products. And in this case, candles, they have been found to mimic the hormone estrogen in the body, which can lead to an imbalance of your sex hormones and potentially contribute to certain types of cancer 
when your body is not processing estrogen healthfully. There's a really great test that specific functional medicine doctors or naturopathic doctors can run for you called the Dutch test, where it gets your metabolites from your urine. It's a dried urine test. That's what D-U-T-C-H is. And it can actually tell from the metabolites which pathways you're using to detox the estrogen from your body. And that has been found now to directly point towards if you are aiming down the road of estrogen not clearing from your body in a healthy way, which has they've found scientifically to have a correlation to your risk for breast cancer or any other cancers. So it's very important that you consider getting a test like that, especially if you have breast cancer in your family line, or if you know you've been utilizing a ton of high-fragranced um, products and candles and things in your in your household for like more than 10 years. You might want to get your estrogen and progesterone ratios measured. And oftentimes you want to get that either from saliva or uh, dried urine, not just blood work because blood work is not the whole picture. Even though we think that it is, unfortunately, it has not really anything to say about like how you're detoxing or how you're processing because it needs to go through your digestive system to get a whole picture. So I definitely would recommend considering a wider way to explore your health from not more than just blood work. Phthalates. Phthalates are a group of chemicals that are used to make plastics more like flexible and they're found in candles to help the fragrance last longer. So they've been linked, unfortunately, to a variety of health issues, including hormonal disruption, so endocrine disruptor, and they can interfere with the production and regulation of your hormones in the body that again leads to issues so phthalates have they have so many issues guys like they're actually really linked to a lot of testosterone or rather lack of testosterone production in a lot of males especially males who use a lot of high fragranced body products and such like old spice or uh, suave i mean any of the cheap stuff so if your partner uses a lot of really cheapy products it would be worth it to explore better quality, more natural, and products that specifically say doesn't contain phthalates or parabens to help their health as well, because it is actually a big epidemic right now. We are starting to study a lot more of the decline in male testosterone production, which is also reducing the sperm count, which is also contributing to a lot of male health issues, including mental health issues, because their sex hormone of testosterone is really important for their mental health in general. Just like estrogen balance with our progesterone is really important for female mental health as well. We also need testosterone. We have testosterone as well. We just don't have the ratio as high as males do. And so our bodies operate in their own specific ratios optimally when they're at better ranges. So it's just kind of important to think about these chemicals that can impact that because if you can get that out of your life and your partner's life, that's going to just be better in the long run, especially if you're working on fertility because you want to start a family soon, or maybe you are trying to have a family and you're trying to figure out what could be impacting it. Absolutely. Endocrine disruptors can, and they're in things like freaking candles, guys. It's so annoying. It's so annoying. Um, and the last one is synthetic fragrances. So they're just chemical compounds that are, you know, made for the scent, but they can be really harmful to your health because of disrupting hormones, but they also have been linked to things like allergies and asthma and various uh, respiratory issues because they are synthetic. They are fake and they will impact you negatively because of that fakeness. <laughs> so 
I have stopped using generic candles. I actually have purchased a subscription to a cleaner candle company called Keep Candles, K-E-A-P. And I actually love this candle company um, and it is way cleaner. They make a really important uh, effort to keep these types of chemicals out of their um, candle concoction <laughs> recipe. I don't know what they would call it, but um, and I also love that they use a recyclable little glass that is actually like a really cute little glass for like cocktails or small little elixir tinctures, mocktails, you know, things like that, because it's got a nice little heavy bottom and it's just like this cute little size. So anyways, I've been loving collecting these candles every three months or so, because I think I have it on like the three month subscription. And it's great because it scratches the itch of wanting a good smelling candle, but one that's cleaner. I also recently saw that Hilary Duff came out with a company that is called Below 60, which if you are somebody who likes like plug-in wall fresheners, her mission was to create clean air fragrances for her home, for her kids, you know, as celebrities who are health conscious do, like shout out to Jessica Alba as well. <laughs> and that is a great potential resource for you too, if you're somebody who wants a fragrance in your house that is cleaner. Um, so I think it's really great, especially if you just explore around more, use some keywords, find cleaner fragrances for your home, for your body care products, honestly. And again, I'm going to have to plug the Yucca app, Y-U-K-A. It is a really handy dandy little app where you can scan the barcodes on the products you have at home and see what rating it gives it based off of what chemicals are involved. And it also at the bottom will give you better alternatives that you can explore. And that just takes so much of the research work out for you. I think you can even upgrade to the subscription and just search item names too. Like if you don't have barcodes for things, uh, you can search it, but it does cost money when you do that. But at the same time, like it's a pretty nominal number compared to taking years back on your life or removing risks of cancer from taking out these really bad products. Because unfortunately guys, like body products and things like that, because you're not ingesting them, they're not held to the same standard as food products are. So they're even less uh, regulated and that's kind of scary. And it's only changing as more hard evidence comes out that like, oh yeah, parabens, those are an issue. Oh yeah, you know, all these different things, forever chemicals. And they're also impacting our environment. So not supporting companies that are utilizing products and utilizing systems to make these products that are impacting our environment as well is going to make our life and our homes and our environments a better place to live. The last two things are, I switched my morning coffee to the company I use is Fabula. There's a lot of companies out there that are great, but I've switched my morning coffee to decaf. So low acid, organic, no pesticides used on it and decaffeinated for my morning coffee. Then around the latter half of the day, I do a coffee like a, again, I usually use the Fabula company or I'll get like a local one. Like we have a Phil's coffee here. Shout out to anybody who knows Phil's. And I get a coffee later in the day if I need to pick me up. I don't always, but that is actually the technical strategy of trying to manage your cortisol if you're somebody like me who has like adrenal fatigue. But also at the same time, there's a lot more evidence coming out now where we're getting issues for people's gut health with too much acid in their coffee, which conventional coffee is always really high in acid. The pesticides used on coffee beans, especially if they're imported from anywhere that doesn't really regulate which chemicals they use on them, like glyphosate and such, which is aka Roundup, 
We have so much science behind glyphosate that is problematic for human health, including causing autism in children and things like that. So AKA development defects come from these pesticides and it is something that is really problematic. And so if I can reduce my daily exposure as much as possible, I will pay more for it. So obviously a lot of these companies like Fabula are not cheap, but if you buy in bulk, it brings the bags down to a really affordable price. And I've, I like the flavor of it. It does what I want because I like the ritual and the smell and the taste of coffee. I don't actually really care about the caffeine because I'm on a mission to heal my cortisol issues. <laughs> so for me, that's, that's my routine now. And I really want to reduce my overall chemical exposure and gut health issues that can come with it. You do have to exceed 150 to 200 milligrams of caffeine in the morning to have that cortisol spike that you might've heard a lot of like health gurus online talk about. Um, it's actually not as big of an issue if you have a normal cup of coffee, cause that's only 50 to hundred milligrams of caffeine. But if you're somebody who's having a really tall coffee, like I have a lot of clients that are drinking like 16 ounce cups of coffee in the morning. Yeah. You're probably spiking your cortisol before you even eat food. So it's better to actually eat food within the first 30 to 45 minutes. Ideally, 30 grams of protein in that meal to have the best fat burn and metabolic fire, essentially, and then either have your coffee at the same time or after that, or just go like I do and have decaf first thing in the morning and then work your way into breakfast, still in that first 45 minutes of being awake. So that's my best tips for that. And that's also why I have personally switched to decaf for my first cup of coffee in the day. And then I'll usually have an actually caffeinated one around 11 a.m. to 2 p.m. latest. So that's what works for me, and that's why I do that. Final one. The final thing that is so important for a lot of us, especially if you're a wino like me, if you like the wine, this one is going to kind of blow your mind potentially, or maybe be just a game changer in your life because it is super, super, super important you consider exploring this for yourself. What I do not ever really do at all anymore, as much as possible, is I do not drink American wines. I only drink old world European wines. And it's not for snobby reasons at all, because I mean, I live near Napa wine country, some of the best wine in the world. I cannot tolerate American wines. I'm gonna tell you why. So quick little story. I am half Asian, as a lot of people know, and I get the Asian glow. I get it way worse than my sister. I don't know what the deal is because we have like the same genetics. <laughs> but unfortunately, I get the Asian glow from most alcohol. Um, and especially became apparent when I drank wine. So I turned 21, moved up to Oregon. We have amazing Pinot Noir country up there. There's a lot of other great wines as well. But my exposure to wine and gaining an appreciation for wine was in Oregon wine country. I would come home to California. I'd have wines here from like Napa region, Monterey region, all of that. Great wines, right? Constantly just tomato face. I would actually have to specifically wear foundation to not be embarrassed <laughs> by what was going on with my body. Did not occur to me that I was having a reaction negative, especially if continued for a long period of time. I went through a very stressful phase in my business when I graduated college and all this kind of stuff, I was like on my own doing the things, being a little entrepreneur, you know, and I was so stressed that I was kind of finding my way to having 
one of those little like coffee bottles of wine, like every two days. And that might not sound like a lot to you, but for me going from having like no alcohol, most of my life, I didn't even drink in the early college years or like high school. I wasn't a square to be a square. I just didn't like the taste of alcohol. <laughs> so I never drank. And it uh, became apparent that my body was like, what are you doing? Like, what is this substance that you are now poisoning us with? <laughs> but it got worse because then I was realizing specifically wine impacts me way worse for some reason. I was like, and beer. I didn't notice beer, but I hardly drank beer. But the few times I did go to a brewery and do a tasting, I was just tomato face as well. It is very common especially in the U.S., to use a higher percentage of sulfites in the wine during the winemaking process. This was confirmed for me when I was in Europe in Italy two years ago, and we went to an organic winery, and I asked the sommelier, who is a uh, top-level, I think level four sommelier, so that's, I guess, top, as, that's as prestigious as it gets for wine knowledge. And I said, or he actually was talking about when he was talking about the grapes, that Europe is very strict about the sulfite content and what they allow wineries to put into the wines when they're producing them and it's much lower than American wines. So for a lot of people when they go to Europe and they're like why don't I feel like crap after just having this entire bottle of table wine? <laughs> um, it's oftentimes because less sulfites. Sulfites create um, intolerance-like and allergy-like reactions in the body because the body doesn't actually um, like high levels of sulfites processing through it. So for me, for a while, I had dated a guy for uh, about a year or so who was in the wine industry. And we were trying to explore this together and figure it out because I was like, why the heck do I have a hard time with American wines and not European wines? thought it was the sulfites thing, but then on, we had just kind of decided like, oh, well, sulfites are in, in all types of wine or whatever, you know, blah, blah, blah. It's probably not the sulfites. Maybe it's the tannins because a lot of people are like, oh, it's the tannins that make the Asian glue. No, not really, actually. Um, and then the other thing that came down to was I was like, well, maybe it's the oak. Maybe I'm reactive to some of the enzymes in the new oak because American wines use new oak. European wines use old oak, usually. So I was like, I came down to the decision like, OK, it's the oak in the barrels. Nope, it is just the amount of sulfites that are utilized in the wine. So for me, I do fine, no headaches, no, like hardly any red face at all. Maybe if I drink a lot of it, but we drank wine every single day when we were in Italy and I had no issues. Um, neither did my fiance. So it definitely came down to the quality of the wine based upon as well, the amount of sulfites in it that made my body react way less to wine. Um, not to mention that American wines use Roundup glyphosate on a lot of their grapes because they're trying to manage the pests and the weeds and all that kind of stuff and other herbicides, pesticides, etc. that um, are, they don't care. It's not regulated. So like most wines don't, you're, it's really hard to find organic wines. And when you do, they sometimes don't taste that great. But at the same time, you're always going to get a lot of pesticides sprayed on the grapes because losing grapes, losing crops is losing money for wineries. So it also is a problem because grapes are thin skin. So very similar to like the dirty 13 of like the thinnest skinned fruit. If it's not organic, it has the most pesticides on it, like blueberries, strawberries, raspberries. So my rule of thumb for a lot of my clients and myself is all the berries are always organic in our household all the time because of that reason. 
Same thing goes for grapes. Unfortunately, if you have to think about it, a lot of these chemicals are sprayed onto the thin skin of grapes. Grapes absorb it. They process the grapes. It doesn't impact the taste, but it does impact how your body reacts to it. So if you're somebody who has consumed uh, white wines or champagnes, or not really champagnes because it's not from Champagne, France, <laughs> but um, American sparkling wines, you know, or Proseccos because you can do Proseccos here that are not, you know, anyways, and you feel like shit for lack of better words, it might be worth you doing what I do and only drink European wines in European, um, any types of bubblies or non-bubblies, red or white, it doesn't matter. Just stick to imported from the European side of the world and see if you feel better. Because I've even observed people in my family or in my friend groups uh, just drinking a lot of an American wine and then they just have a horrible hangover the next day. And I know it's because that quality of the wine, unfortunately, like me, reacts poorly to their body because of the sulfites and other things, you know, um, especially for people who deal with like celiac or um, gut based uh, situations where their body is already inflamed and not in a good position. They're going to react a lot more to those chemicals and things as well. So something to consider might be kind of like new to you to hear that concept, but it can be an absolute game changer to your life. And that is something that uh, I wanted to finish this chat on today of kind of unusual things that I have implemented this year. I would say the wine one I've actually been implementing for the last several years, but I wanted to throw that in the mix because I think it's really important. And I want to see, I want to hear if you try this and it does change for you, let me know, throw me a DM or whatever. I would love to know if that helped you. But all right, Rebel, that's it for today's episode. I want to invite you to share this with some woman in your life who you think could truly benefit from this knowledge because when we support each other with more knowledge about our bodies, we all thrive. So I'd love for you to give our show a five-star rating and comment a favorite episode that positively impacted you to help spread the health with others. But as always, celebrate your strength and nourishment, walk with confidence, and I will catch you next week on another episode of Rebel Wellness. still listening. Thank you for tuning in to our latest episode of Rebel Wellness. If you've been enjoying our conversations around health, fitness, and wellness, I have some exciting news for you. So if you would love to join our newsletter group, you can join us on coachkales.com or you can join my stand store at stan.store backslash kales k-a-i-l-e-s and that's an awesome opportunity for you to snag some freebies that i've created including a macro hack grocery list that is going to help you kind of design a custom grocery list especially for following macronutrients because as you know if you didn't listen to my macros in may series i would go back to those episodes because it has been a game changer for so many of our listeners for getting more on top of how to shape their physique and their health goals with the food they're eating so don't sleep on that go get your free download s-t-a-n like stan the man stan.store backslash kills and you can also join our newsletter from that and if you would like to reach out to me, chat, maybe work together, you can also contact me through my website, coachkales.com. And I would absolutely love you to join our 
Rebel Wellness Podcast Instagram, which is at Rebel Wellness Podcast. And you can also join my flagship coaching page at Coach by Kales. That's where it all began. That's where I share the most um, kind of custom to what I work on specifically with my clients on that page. So join that one. It's all feminine wellness focused. And I share some great stuff, some goofy stuff things that you just don't want to miss as well as healthy recipes and things and easy recipes because we all kind of need some easy grab and go things, don't we? So I would love you to join both those pages as you'll be joining a community of like-minded females who are all committed to living their best lives. So hit that follow button. And I would love if you felt the need to share and rate our podcast. We would love that. Anyways, thanks for listening. And I hope to catch you next Sunday or say hello on the gram.